Ciao! I want to start this new episode in a different way, with a bit of powerful inspiration. That you have this like, it's these private moments and cooking and eating is really, also, as much as it is about sharing around the table and, and taking care of people, it's also that like emergency brownie at night or the thing you eat when you're like sent everyone away after the dinner party and you're like cleaning up and you're eating your yeah. own chicken because you didn't have it at the dinner table. So how, you know, what is like, what is the role of private and public, you know, private I think, I think, and this is something that was really important to me when I started, I think it's, um, women often feel they don't have permission to eat. They have permission to feed people. They're encouraged to feed other people, but they're not encouraged to, we're not encouraged to feed ourselves. And it's, um, when I grew up, people would say things like, I shouldn't really be eating this. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, that is a terrible thing. I mean, my mother was, my mother didn't eat. Um, she cooks, but she didn't really eat. And I think it's very important to, to, to learn the pleasure of eating. And I think it's actually the only way to have any sort of relationship with food because, as we all know, what you stop yourself from eating, you eat more of. When I started writing about food, because I was a journalist before who didn't write about food, um, a lot of my girlfriends kept saying, um, but is it going to be safe? I said, I'm not working with nuclear waste yeah. here. <laughs> so, but they really did think that I would be, then I would just eat so much and it would be so difficult. And I just think, and I just thought, yes, but that's your, you're thinking all the time about, you know, what you mustn't eat. Therefore, it's making you crazy. And then you eat things, you don't even get pleasure. You know, I, I um, my second book had a subtitle, uh, Eating... Uh, you know, uh, baking and the art of comfort cooking because what's called comfort eating is often discomfort eating but comfort cooking is wonderful because it shores you up you're feeding yourself the act of saying I am, I am worth taking care of and sustaining and keeping alive is incredibly important and I think that cooking is an act of generosity and kindness and it's important to be generous and kind to oneself as well as to other people and so I feel that's very important and I like eating I actually and sometimes I just feel that um, just like I love reading a book you know I like to sit quietly and read a book I like to sit quietly and eat I always feel awful that I eat so fast that it's over so quickly and sometimes I just think ah that's it. You know, I, want to, I wish I could just turn back the clock and just start the beginning of the meal again. It was so good. But I, do, I feel that um, I, I, I suppose I, I never think, oh, it's just me, therefore I won't bother. And it doesn't mean to say I always cook because... This was Samin Nosrat interviewing Nigella Lawson for Radio Cherry Bomb, episode 202. I found it so inspirational, so honest and real, and it felt like the perfect introduction to this new episode of Cooking with an Italian Accent. Before starting this new episode, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your lovely comments and feedbacks on our podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you are listening to a podcast. Please consider also rating and reviewing the show. It makes a huge difference and it will help us to be found online and to build up an appetite for Italian food. From now on, each week, I want to share also one of the reviews we received on iTunes. This is from Humpty Mum. 
Listening to Julia's podcast is a pleasure for the ears and for the mouth too, of course. I've been reading Jules Kitchen for years and I'm so happy I can now hear the same authenticity, care and passion I found in the post of Julia's voice. I loved listening to her food memories and learning the story behind her signature dish. Everything feels so familiar and genuine. Julia is sharing tradition and real beauty through her words and I'm grateful she started this new adventure expressing her full personality and accent. And now, excuse me, I'm going to buy pork loin to cook my first arista. Thank you so much, Hamti Mam. You really made my day. And now, let's start. Remember that you will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in the episode show notes. Also, don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, juicekitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow Cooking with an Italian Accent. Welcome to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 11. This episode is another experiment, something we've been wanting to record for quite a while. I'll be reading and commenting one of our blog posts, and I thought there could be not a better start than the one about creativity and lack of inspiration. It was one of the most appreciated, and you have already cooked quite a few times the fava vin pesto included at the end of the blog post. So are you ready? I'm a walking cliché, wondering where my time is gone, munching on salted pistachios as I try to put my thoughts down in words. I thought that the arrival of spring could unblock something, that the new season could lift that boulder that stopped the flowing of words and ideas. But guess what? It didn't work. It is as if all the ideas I have inside, along with tentative projects, the recipes I would like to include in my next cookbook, the good intentions and the memories, were so messy and unruly that they created one of those rush hour traffic jam that prevents even the simplest thought of manifesting itself in a complete sentence. I was blocked. I could not find the energy or the inspiration to write a single blog post, or to record a new episode of the podcast, or even to post new photos on my Instagram feed, like for weeks. I blame some tiredness, the uncertain season, This spring, so unusually cold, that makes me crave for a stew and a jumper, and even a certain seniority here on the blog. But in the end, I realized that it was just a lack of focus. When I feel confused or stuck, I need to walk off my problems. So during the first clear afternoon in a row of rainy days, I went for a walk. When I walk by myself, I sit my problems in front of me and we have a chat. The problems turn into paths, into wall kilometers. The more I walk, the more I understand myself. We come to terms and we reconcile. Turn out that I have a longing for 10 years ago, when everything was simpler, when everything began and ended in the pages of a blog. 
the stories, the stories were there, but also the recipes and the relationships. Do you remember the excitement of a new comment on your blog post? Or how you got to know like-minded people, reading blog posts and interacting with them? But at the same time, I want to see where the podcast will bring us. I truly enjoy this feeling of being almost a pioneer here in Italy, of tracing an unknown road. Surely we will not be the first ones to launch a podcast, I know, I'm, I'm sure. But we are probably the first Italians to have an active podcast in English about our culinary traditions. This sense of unknown and trepidation that I experience every time I publish a new episode is adrenaline and it's motivation. I am really enjoying this new space. It feels intimate and private and I feel so connected with you. I think it's probably because I'm here talking and it's, I'm in the room, there's a little light here and it's very quiet. So it's almost really like talking with a friend sitting on the other side of the table. So walking uh, out there in the countryside, this is when I realized that to unblock the situation, to get back on track, I needed to focus on what I really love. I needed pens and notebooks, and as many notebooks as the ongoing projects, I felt the urge to make lists that make sense, with details and deadlines, but also lists of thoughts and seemingly completely unrelated ideas. This is something I have learned during the memoir writing workshop I took this winter with Silvia Schiavo at the Holden School in Turin. It changed my approach to writing and gave me so much to think about. When you feel stuck and have a writer's block, when you lack inspiration, jot down a list. Any list would do. They are just a way to get you started. I just write a list about everything that usually succeeds in rekindling my inspiration about what in the past has been a source of encouragement, about what usually helps me to get in contact with creativity again. So the first point on my list was surround myself with books. I could not start anywhere else. I have the physical urge to surround myself with books. These books are anchors to reality, but also handholds for bigger dreams, which sooner or later will find space and time to develop. I'm talking about a new cookbook, something I've been dreaming about for years. That book I'd want to pass on to my children, should I have any. I keep these books on the bedside table, on the living room table, which I transform into my desk, among rubber shavings and pistachio shells, into my computer bag. And most importantly, I keep these books over my smartphone. It's a clear message about the priorities I would love to have. Have you ever checked how much time you spend on your smartphone? Well, I did, and all I could think about was I could have written that book, should I have stayed less on my iPhone. I read some of these books years ago, but once in a while I like to pick them from the shelf and stroke the marked pages, if only to experience again the same emotion, that sense of discovery and that inspiration that they had given me the first time I encoded these authors. From time to time, I feel the need to reread Elizabeth David and Nori Colwyn to remind me of what I felt because it was that moment of revelation, that thrill of recognition that pushed me into the right path. Well, I'm not monogamous when it comes to books, so next to the already read books, there are those that I'm reading now for the first time. There is a novel permitted by a sense of magical realism 
to Live Other Lives, which is Joan Harry's new book. And there's also an essay on the role of time in the world of food and flavor, which has given me so much to think about, countless insights. And now I'm talking about Jenny Linford's The Missing Ingredient. Beautiful book. The second point on my list was keep my hands busy. After a few failures with seeds and a garden, last year it was the turn of the flower bed in front of our house, where I managed to keep alive after the scorching heat of summer and the winter frosts. Sage, pineapple sage, two raspberry plants, mint and lemon verbena. This year I doubled the stakes with a new aromatic garden, an harmonious and contained chaos, which will be a test and a daily challenge. I will slowly raise the bar, but I will do it only when I'll be able to perfectly manage the previous level. When I'm in the garden or in my parents' vegetable patch, I'm completely immersed in my natural element, even if I never spend enough time there. This is why I need a daily ritual, like when in the evening during summer, I drag around a heavy watering can to water my herbs. The relief that the herbs experience when they voraciously drink the water is my same relief. This happens when I keep my hands busy and allow my head to wander free. Just like gardening, it works even with kneading bread by hand, trimming baby artichokes to preserve them in oil, cleaning the pantry, and like organizing my flower jars in order not to leave anything behind. Even cleaning the house works. But, well, I must admit sometimes that is a maniac form of procrastination. The third point of my list is a point I really love, and is cooking just for pleasure. It might sound weird, but for me it is ever more difficult to find time to cook just for the sheer pleasure of it, even if everything began from there, from cooking, from food. In between cooking classes, all the recipes developed and photographed for magazines and clients, and the recipe testing for the blog, we live in a perennial state of overflowing leftovers. I freeze something, uh, we have friends over for leftover dinners, and we share food with my family. But in our daily life, the question I usually ask Tommaso is, what do you want to eat? Leftovers or a quick tuna salad? I am the queen of lettuce and tuna salad. So I start cooking again, just for us, at least two or three times a week, just for the pleasure of sitting at the table in front of a meal, designed and prepared, especially for that moment. Although I'm a great supporter of leftovers, and I believe in the creative recycle of what is left, a simple meal of fresh eggs cooked in tomato sauce, the yolk so perfect and thick like honey, seems like a king's meal when you've been eating reheated food for a while, like for a week. The biggest risk for those who have turned their greatest passion into their daily work is to lose sight of that primitive joy that gave way to everything. But if I close my eyes and smell the aroma of garlic sizzling in the hot olive oil, or when I rub fresh thyme in between my fingers before adding it into a pan of potatoes, I feel exactly like when more than 10 years ago I recognized in those smells the way home. The senses will always bring me back home. After these three major points in my list, I added more elements in random order. One is studying. Yes, studying, just like at school. Whether it is food writing or baking with sourdough, when I have a pen and a notebook in my hands to learn something new, I always feel excited. 
as the first time I read Will Write for Food by Diane Jacob, or with Samin Nosrat Soul Fat Acid Heat, or when, for example, I attended my memoir writing course, or, uh, this is very recent, like during my first lesson to recognize forest herbs. Studying and learning new things and discovering new words, well, all of this makes me so excited and inspired. And it makes me feel young, after all. Another point in my list is taking good care of me. For instance, I need a hand mask now, as at the moment my hands are mercilessly showing the signs of time, of the innumerable dishes I washed, of the oven burns and all the dough I needed by hand. When last year I was organizing the wedding, I realized how I'd been ignoring myself for too long. A simple beauty routine keeps me grounded. I don't need expensive cosmetics, just some proper self-care, some seed oil for my hair or a relaxing oil for my skin before going to bed. I just need simple gestures that will create a daily routine and this will keep me grounded. This would give me the sense of being present to myself. Another point, guess what? Walking. So here we are again. According to all the experts, physical exercise is one of the essential factors to feel good. Power walking is what works for me, possibly in the countryside, possibly late in the afternoon after a long working day, possibly with Noah, my dog, and I walk with fast, almost martial steps. I try to turn this into a habit, work for about two months, and then I saw a significant improvement in my general health. Then the rainy season happened and, well, I feel like I need to build up that habit once more. Another point in my list, this is interesting, French cooking magazines, which I just partially understand, but which, as always, are as inspiring as the smell of butter on my hands. I remember the first time my sister Claudia brought me home from her school trip to Paris a severe issue. I think I learned that issue by heart. So, so impressed by the recipes, the high quality photos, the feeling of holding something new, fresh, creative. That's why I love French magazines so much. They remind me of that severe issue and the banana moye I made that week. Another point of my list, and I'm pretty sure you would share this with me, is a change of air. If I could spend a week in London or Paris, I would leave immediately. The buzz I get from London, the friends I get, the chance to meet there from the first years of blogging, the spice shop and books for cooks on Notting Hill, a city so different from my everyday life and for this reason so inspiring. Or take Paris, that I visited for the first time two months ago. What could have been Julia Child or Elizabeth David without Paris? Think about the effect it had on me living and breathing and eating Paris for the first time in my life at 37. But I noticed that smaller trips work as well. Even a short drive to visit a friend in Valdurcia, or like spending a day in my in-laws house without internet connection just at the gates of Mugello. A breath of fresh air helps you to rediscover yourself and to listen more carefully to your needs. Another point in my list, and I recognize this works because I live in the countryside, is opening all the windows in the house to let the countryside air in. I let in the smell of acacia flowers as long as they last, then the smell of dry grass toasted by the sun, or the wonderful smell of summer rain. 
It is a way to get nature into the house, to clear up my mind. Again, a breath of fresh air, like this is a physical breath of fresh air, always helps you. The last point on my list is also hope for the future, and it is finding time to read blogs again, or to listen to new podcasts, or to discover new trends, new perspectives, or savor the comfort of a well-written recipe. This is why I subscribed to a ton of new podcasts, like Radio Cherry Bomb, along to my favorite as What She Said, that I've been listening for more than a year, or BBC Radio 4, The Food Program, or Julia Torshin, Keep Calm and Cook On. So this was my list, a list to help me get in contact with my inspiration again. These are 10 points, just like 10 years have passed since I started my blog. It is actually the longest relationship I've ever had. There have been moments of struggle, of time off, of tiredness, and I'm sure there will be more. It is normal. I mean, what I hope though, is to always find a reason to go on, to maintain, or better, to always remember the same enthusiasm on the first months. That excitement that I felt every time I discovered a new ingredient, for example. The first time I shelled fresh peas. I was almost 30. The first time I bought a thyme seedling and rubbed it in between my fingers, or the time I had my very first taste of passion fruit. Today, they might seem trivial moments, but in these 10 years, they helped me to understand better myself and to figure out who I wanted to become. They have taught me the meaning of commitment and dedication. And this podcast, this podcast is helping me in so many ways to remain in contact with those primitive discoveries and emotions. So after this long list, after this unusual post where I was reading to a blog post and commenting it on the way, we can call it uh, an episode. This is the end of today's episode for our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. But now it's your turn. I'd love to hear from you. What is that keeps you inspired? Share with me via email or with a post or a story on Instagram using the hashtag Cooking with an Italian Accent and tagging Jules Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to a podcast, and share it with your friends. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode's show notes. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. So see you next week. Bye-bye. Ciao.